Just one more plug, too. RUF Jersey Shore 2016 is happening. It's happening at the Beach Harvey Cedars Bible Conference May 19th to 22nd. There's cards back there. Take a card. You can literally go and sign up right now on Eventbrite. Literally, you can go and you can pay your money. Talk to me if you need a scholarship. I've got certain scholarship codes. So if you need a scholarship, talk to me, and I will give you a code, and then you will sign up. But we need to start getting you and your friends on this trip. It's going to be awesome. Kevin Twitt, my good friend, who he's the originator of Indelible Grace Music. Um, he's going to speak about worship. Okay, and we're speaking and we're talking about worship tonight uh, as we look at Psalm 84. And uh, let me pray, and then we're going to read it and dive right in. And I'm trying to be more concise, like 25 minutes, okay? So flag me at 23. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You so much uh, that You love us and that there was a rugged cross where our Savior died. And then He rose again for us to take our sin, to take our shame, take our guilt upon Himself. And Lord, um, push that into our hearts deeper and deeper, Lord, that we would be worshipers of You. And uh, we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. So if you have your if you have your Bibles, or you can look up here, uh, this is Psalm 84. This is um, a psalm from the sons of Korah, who were the worshippers uh, in the temple. And so hear God's word tonight. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at, the, at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in You. This ends reading of God's Word. What do you love? What is your heart's desire? What do you treasure above all? And how do we even know what that is? How do we even know? what What is our desires? What are our treasures? I think that... There's some ways to find out what those are. Um, how do we spend our time? How do we spend our money? Um, what are we thinking about when we're daydreaming? Okay, or when we don't have anything to do? What do we run to? What do we watch? Where do we go on the internet? Our hearts are speaking all the time. And the scripture calls, calls it really what our hearts are doing is they're always worshiping. They can't stop worshiping. And we're either worshiping the Lord who made us and glorifying in Him and being filled with Him, or we're worshiping the world and the flesh and the devil. 
So it's very, uh, there's no middle ground when it comes to our worship because our hearts are always worshiping and we're broken people, we're sinful. And so for the Christian, we kind of, we kind of waver back and forth. And the Lord would have us again and again repent and have us come back to Jesus and be filled by Him. Um, in the university life, you know, uh, maybe what we worship, you know, our GPA or our assignments, getting them done, getting a good grade, you know, uh, getting that internship, uh, you know, uh, and then later on, it's like getting into that career, uh, getting a relationship, getting married, getting a house, getting a car, the American dream. I mean, all of these things can fuel us towards that. And those are good things. But what we know is idolatry is making those things ultimate things. It's where we turn them not just into good things where we can like, hey, God has given me this, this job. I love it. Praise God. But it, it, it sometimes becomes workaholism. And we're driven. Okay, So our hearts are worshiping. And Jesus said, you know, where your treasure is, is your heart. The heart is seeking all the time. Uh, and the idols tell us, Tell us all that, that when we, and we, when we give ourselves to idolatry, often it leaves us high and dry. You know? And Mick Jagger had a song, Rolling Stones. You guys know what it is. I can't get no. I can't get no satisfaction. Okay? I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried, but I can't get no satisfaction. That is a great example of the heart. It's wanting, it's desiring, and it finds it, and then it's like, this isn't as good as I thought. You know, he's probably talking about all of his romantic relationships, okay? Never enough. And we lose our taste, okay? Um, things might be beautiful for a while, and then they're gone. And uh, you may have heard me tell this story, but when I was five years old, I was on a three-hour journey to Ocean City, Maryland, and I had one desire. Jolly Rogers Amusement Park. So for three hours in the car with my mom and dad, my sister and brother-in-law who were like 15 years older than me. I was five. They were 20. They were engaged. I kept saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Take me to Jolly Rogers. Jolly Rogers. I want to go to Jolly Rogers. You see, I was captivated by the beauty of Jolly Rogers. And if you've ever been there, you've seen him. He stands about 50 feet tall. Okay, he's got the patch. He's got the hat. He's got the sword. Right here. And He is beckoning you to come and enjoy His, his feast of bumper cars, you know, and, uh, you know, cotton candy and roller coasters and just, ah, oh, it's a five-year-old Jolly So I kept, I kept asking for Jolly Rogers the, the entire, and my, they will often, they will often, uh, remind me of that, uh, at, at different functions. But, um, you know, I wanted there. That was my heart. And uh, Counting Crows. Does anybody still listen to Counting Crows? They had a great album. Their first album was unbelievable. But they had a song called Mr. Jones and Me. And um, they were, you know, they, they kind of, you know, paint this picture in the song. These, these two guys were, they're watching these flamenco dancers. And the line is, we all want something beautiful. We all want something beautiful because... That's what our heart wants. Turn it around to this psalm. In the psalm, we see that the psalmist is captured 
by the beauty of God. He's captivated by the beauty of God and the place where God is. And so, you know, last week we looked at spiritual depression of the heart. We talked about how we thirst. And often we thirst in other areas that quench us, but they don't really quench us. And, uh, you know, again, this is a similar theme. What is, what is the antidote, so to speak, or the healing power of the Psalms? It's to show us that our true thirst can only be quenched in God and in the worship of God. And so um, that's what we're going to look at here. So what, what does true worship of the living God look like for the psalmist? And, and the psalms show us what true worship is. And this one specifically says, number one, change affections for God. Number two, he desires God's presence. And number three, um, the result of that change is fuel Fuel for um, purpose and worship. Okay, so the first thing is this. What is it? What's true worship look like? It's the psalmist now has godly affections. Okay, change emotions. What he thinks is beautiful is God and his dwelling place. And he says this here. He says, you know, right one and two. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs. Yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. He's caught up in wonder. Okay, he's caught up in the beauty of God. Um, that is what is lovely to him and beautiful to him. It's it's God's presence, God's house, um, and he longs to be there where God is. And so we get this picture of real passion for God. He has to have God. His heart and his flesh are crying out. The deepest parts of who he is say, I need God. And then he looks up, you know, and he's thinking, and he's in the the temple, okay? And he's looking up, and he sees sparrows, you know, sometimes when you're at Costco, and like you see birds flying around and everything. So like, you know, the the temple's big, and like there's sparrows and like swallows that are flying around. and And he mentions like, even the sparrow find a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. So you see, what he thinks is beautiful is now God. And he wants to be with God. Whatever we really desire in our heart, whatever we really think is beautiful, we will go after. The psalmist's affections, emotions are changed. They're Godward. They're Godward. This is challenging to me. It's probably challenging to you because, like, I feel like, oh goodness, I don't, I don't have that passion, you know. Or I, sometimes I have it, but it's very slight, you know. Or, or it's it's very, you know, long, long in coming. And the psalmist is showing us true passion. This is not trumped up. This is not emotional motivation. He just wants to be there. He just wants to dwell there like a sparrow and just sit and enjoy God. His emotions are are affected. He says he sings for joy. Uh, And so it's an emotional response. Joyful singing. Um, In verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And so this is the delight of his heart. So, to us, you know, is this, is this your heart? Is this my heart? Do you have longings for God, affections, where you just, you just want to be with God? Does your heart and flesh faint for God? Or is it captured by something else? Captured by some other beauty? In, uh, 
in John Piper's book, Desiring God, he talks about... Um, you guys are familiar with John Piper, right? He's retired now, he's, but he's, he's written a lot of books. And his main theologian is Jonathan Edwards. Okay, He loves Jonathan Edwards. And he basically takes Jonathan Edwards, who was the great uh, second or First Awakening preacher in New England, he takes his ideas and he boils them down. And one of the things he talks about in his book, Desiring God, is do we want God or just the benefits and blessings of God? Do you, do you really want God Himself? Is that enough? Or do you just want like all the good stuff that God can offer? Now, the grace and, and beauty of God is He gives us the good stuff and the blessings, but that, that's a good question to ask yourself. Why am I here? Why am I... Why do I want to be a Christian? Is it do you want God or do you want... I just want a fire insurance policy to go to heaven. Or I just want like the friendships that it gives. Okay, It's hard to separate those things, but the question is, when all that stuff is gone, is God enough? And what the psalmist is saying, He is. Okay, so think of all your worst nightmares, you know. Your worst trials. Losing people in your life. Losing people close to you. To death or you know, to whatever. God is enough, is what he's saying. Now, that's a hard thing to go through, but that's what the psalmist is saying. If you have God at the center of who you are and you desire God, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. You're going to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be trials. There's not, but he's saying that, boy, if you have God at the center of you, if you have Jesus in his spirit, you have enough. So have your affections been changed? Do you sense that? If not, cry out to God. <laughs> I mean, that's what the Psalms are saying. You know, that's basically what Psalm uh, 42 said last week. Cry out to God. You know, th- you know, God, why am I like this? Um, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him. And so use your emotions of dullness to worship to stir you to pray and say, God, like, bring back the fire. Bring back the joy. Bring back the hope. Bring back the energy. I don't want to just be like doing this job, doing this Christian thing, and just like moping around. I want joy. I want, I want, you know, true, uh, love of you and true desire. Okay. Second thing is this. Psalmist desires to be in God's house. Okay. Some of this is similar, but he desires to be in God's house. He says in verse one, how lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord of hosts, uh, my, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. This is the temple. Verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house are singing your praise. Verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in tents of weakness. So he wants to be where God is. It's not, we're not talking about brick and stone here. Necessarily. We're not talking about the building. We were talking about the building is where the Lord is. Okay, and in the Old Testament, you know, let's do a little history here. Where did God meet His people? Well, first, you know, He meets them in the tabernacle, the tent. You know, with Moses, you know, the the Ark of the Covenant and all that. And God gave Moses the plans for the tent and the tabernacle. And so wherever Israel would go, you know, they had to pack up the tent and carry everything. And and then God would meet them at special times. And how did Israel know that God met was meeting with Moses? Sunday school, there would, the cloud okay would would descend and the Lord would meet with Moses in the tent. Okay, so it was kind of narrow, 
right? It's kind of narrow. He's meeting just Moses in the tent. He's dwelling with his people. Okay, and then later on we have the we have the temple built by Solomon, and so on Mount Zion, okay, in Jerusalem, Temple Mount, and so then this then this becomes the place where God especially meets with his people. The Ark of the Covenant's there, the Holy of Holies, all the plans, all the elaborate, um, you know, artistic carvings and everything all through the temple. Um, you know, this was like artistic and this was beautiful. People came from all over the world to visit the temple with Solomon. You know that, right? The Queen of Sheba comes, right? Because the temple was like a wonder, a seventh wonder of the world. And there was gold inlaid. And even the priests and everything, they, their clothes were, you know, purple, uh, linen, and they even had like gold we, uh Texture, you know, textile fabrics like woven into them. Like this was beautiful. This was beautiful because it was reflecting the beauty of God. There's something to say about like beautiful churches and architecture. We don't really have that as much anymore. If you've noticed, warehouses are fine. And I'm not saying anything bad about warehouses, but there's something about art. There's something about beauty. There's something about like, ah. Like, when you go to those European cathedrals, you guys, or even if you go down to, like, you know, the Basilica or whatever, and you stand in there and you see the amount of time that it took to build those things, like, centuries if you go to Europe, okay? Who's been to Europe? I mean, you have to go to Europe just to walk around and look at these these buildings. It's unbelievable. The temple was like that, okay? So it's like displaying the glory of God. And so God is meeting with His people. And how, how is He meeting? He's meeting through ultimately... Um, what's lovely is that... Uh, I've like lost my place here. Um, is that you know the sacrifices are taking place. The altar of God. Okay, the animals. Okay, and so what's beautiful too is this idea that you know the psalmist is seeing that his sin is, is being taken care of. Okay, the Holy of Holies is there. All the activity is going on. Okay, so then, then let's fast forward. Now let's bring this bring this back to us. Okay, so in the New Testament, what do we have? We have God coming to dwell with His people, right? In Jesus. So Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. And so, you know, before God was more, you know, just there at the temple, right? That's the special place. Now, did God meet people elsewhere? Yes. But specifically, he met Israel at the temple. But now Jesus has come down to be with his people. And he's tabernacled with his people. And so God is mobile. Wherever you are, if you have Jesus, you are the temple of God. But specifically, too, there's something to say about where does God especially meet his people? Okay, does God meet you when you read the Bible alone and have your devotions? Yes, he does. Okay. When you have a quiet time, when you're praying. But the big picture here is, the big application here is, this is where God specifically meets us, is church. Worshiping with His people. Corporate worship. Okay? This might be a little controversial to you. Okay? But I want you to think about that. Corporate worship is the special place now that God meets you. Because it's corporate worship that God still calls together His body. Right? The church. And He still ministers in a special place. He ministers to individuals, yes. 
but He specially ministers through His church. Why did Paul just not say, hey guys, uh, believe in Jesus, see you later? What did he do? He goes from town to town. He says, believe in Jesus. Now, hey, would you think about becoming an elder? Would you think about becoming a deacon? Okay, would you think about like establishing this body of believers right here with God's gift and worshiping in Philippi and worshiping in Ephesus and worshiping in Galatians? Okay, guys, see, I'm going to the next town. And I'm going to plant a church and preach the gospel to individuals, but they are going to be called into little churches all around you know, the Aegean Sea and, and Greece and everything, okay? And Turkey. And Why? Because God still has this structure where He especially meets His people through preaching, through fellowship, through the church um, ministering and together as a body with elders and deacons and the preaching of the Word of God and enjoying the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. You know, Paul never... Paul, or You know, in the New Testament, the New Testament doesn't know anything about individual Christians becoming a Christian and then that's it. Because it was always like, yes, you believe in Jesus. You are a Christian. Now be baptized into the church. So you're part of this body of Christ. This goes totally against our individual nature of... 21st century America. Okay. It goes against my nature. I'd like to eh, just sit home and, and, and watch podcasts and little Tim Keller, little Rick Warren, little, you know, little Matt Chandler. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just going to like enjoy that, sleep in, watch football. <laughs> I could do that. But, but God is saying, but, but how do we take this to ourselves? This is the application of this is like that you would be in the courts of the Lord with his people worshiping the Lord on Sunday. Because that's a special day out of all the days that God said, worship me. The resurrection of Christ has happened. We declare the resurrection every Lord's Day. Okay, every Sunday. Okay, 25. Okay. So just think about that, you guys. I, I desire for you to love his church and to love the structure of the church. And so, um, you know, we, you know, we go to Wallace, uh, but there's a lot of good churches around. There's some mosaic Silver Spring people here tonight. And they just became a particular church. That was a wonderful experience to be there. And, uh, and, you know, we've got people at Aletheia Church. We got people at Solid Rock Church. Um, but it's really important. It's really important because when because the the hardest the most exciting thing for me is when I go to one of these churches I'm visiting you know to raise money for RUF so we can do this uh, is when I see former students there. Worse me, I'm like yes something something worked like something actually happened like you didn't just leave like something caught okay this is I am telling you that is beautiful to me okay because. Because when you leave here, it's hard to like duplicate like uh, campus ministry because like you're always like you're together, you're in dorms and stuff. But so when you go to a new town, okay, how do you try to duplicate that? Get with other Christians, get in a church, get in a small group, get in a, a Bible study. Okay, so do you love God's church? Because that's where the that's where the worship's going on. That's where the that's where God's really meeting him, and that's where he wanted to be. Last thing is this: what does worship and tasting God produce? It it changes our purpose. Okay, it gives us fuel and hope. He says this: they go from strength to strength. Uh, 
As they go through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs or early rain. What's this mean? The Valley of Baca, Hebrew word for weeping. So basically he's saying, hey, as they go towards Zion, even in the Valley of Weeping, they are making it like like pools of refreshing water. Okay, so he's saying like if you, those who have their heart set on Zion and who are worshiping the Lord, they know they're going to be filled. They like, even in the bad times, they have sources. They have strength. It's like pools of water. Okay? This comes as a result of being filled with God. Change does happen. Okay? Purpose happens. Because because He says, whose heart or highways design. Like this is, this is, this is the whole idea of like, what's your chief end? What's your main purpose? It's to love God, love other people. It's, it's to enjoy God. It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Okay? And that's what He has found. Um, are we not feeling it? How do we change our hearts? Well, there's a little section here where in verse 8 and 9 he says this, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear. He's praying. O God of Jacob, behold our shield. O God, look on the face of your anointed. The face, look on the face of your anointed. So right there, is, that is a little, a little foreshadowing of the ultimate anointed. The Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Now, the psalmist here is saying, like, look on the face of your anointed. You know, and he probably doesn't see totally the big picture in the future, but Jesus cried out as well. Look on me, O God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Father turns his face away from the anointed. Why? Because he wanted to love you and me. He turns his face away from the anointed, pours out his wrath on him, so that we would have be filled by his grace and love, and that we would have hope, and that we wouldn't be dominated by our idols. And the last thing is this um, there's a man by the name of Thomas Chalmers. He was a he was a minister back in Scotland. And uh he wrote a sermon called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Okay, What does that mean? Well, he basically said this. He said that if you have two choices out there, um, you can't just say no to the world and nothing and think your heart is going to change. You can't just say no to that, no to that, no to that. He said that the way the heart works is it's got to have a more beautiful picture of something to grab a hold of. And so he says, that's what the gospel is. It's, it's a new affection, a powerful affection that instead of grabbing the idol, it's beautiful and big when you see Jesus and His love for you and that He died for you. Um, and he says this, it is the atonement of the cross reconciling the holiness of the lawgiver, God, with the safety of the offender um, that He hath opened the way for a sanctifying influence into the sinner's heart. And so... He's basically saying, when you get a hold of the atonement, when you get a hold of Christ, then that's this expulsive power of a new affection that changes you from an idolater to a worshiper. And it changes your heart. It changes what you think about. And, and so, when we're, when we're tempted to worship other things, the goal is run quickly to the cross. Run quickly and see the beauty of Jesus. 
dying for you, a sinner, reconciling you to his father. That's that's what changes us. Um, I'm going to close because I know I, I went over. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for um, the psalmist and his worship of you, his desire for you. Give us hearts that desire you, that faint for your courts, uh, because that's where you are. Um, help us to encourage one another to worship you, to spur one another on all the more as we see the day approach. In Christ's name, amen. One more song?